everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining in. Hey, I cannot wait for you to hear from my good friend, Lori Champion, as we sit down for a conversation today all around leading with confidence. But before we get to that, I wanted to take a few minutes to answer some of the questions that you've been sending in. First of all, thank you for sending in these questions. There are some great ones, and I can't wait to answer more in episodes to come. So this question comes from Heather. What is something that you wished that you knew in your early 20s. I love this because I love how you're leaning into the wisdom of your elders. I'm not that old, but I do have a few years of experience under my belt. So there was a lot of things that came to mind when you asked this question. But the first thing that popped into my mind was that when I was 20, I wish that someone had told me that no matter what culture says, no matter what message every romantic comedy is sending your way, no matter what the final Rose episode of The Bachelor tells you, I would tell you this, don't follow your heart. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this goes against everything that popular culture tells me. But don't get me wrong. Heather, your heart is beautiful is full of capacity to love and to care and to grow, but it's not a great leader. It was never meant to be our leader. You know, when I think about the the biggest mistakes that I ever made were mistakes that I made from the place of a broken heart or because I followed my heart in a direction that was opposite of what the Word of God said. See, our hearts are inexperienced and they're prone to be broken by careless people and some of the storms of life. And at 20, I needed a leader that was both experienced and unbreakable, the one who would never break my heart, the one that created my heart, and that one is Jesus. See, when we follow our heart, we can become a victim to our feelings. We can follow our our feelings down a path when we're making decisions, and we end up making decisions that are based on convenience instead of our calling. And don't get me wrong, your feelings are real, but they're not always the truth. There's gonna be times when you're in your 20s that you're gonna feel inadequate, But the truth of God's word says that he has called you by name, that you are his, and he has prepared good works for you to do. And you are not inadequate. When you're 20, you're going to feel sometimes that God has forgotten you. When you've prayed the same prayer over and over again, and you're tempted to start taking matters into your own hands because it feels like God hasn't answered your prayer. But that's not the truth. The truth is that God hears every prayer you pray. And if you acknowledge him in everything, that he will direct your path. The truth is that there's going to be times that you feel like your past mistakes or your past pain don't make any sense. But the truth of God's word says that he will trade your ashes for beauty and he has more for you in your future than you can ever hope, dream, or imagine. So I guess my advice would be don't follow your heart, 
follow Jesus. And the longer you follow Jesus, his desires will become your desires. So this next question comes from Amy and Amy asks, what are you reading right now? I love this question because I really do believe that leaders need to be readers. And so I try to keep a diet of books in front of me at all times. And first I like to have a leadership book, one that's going to stretch me in my leadership. And right now I'm reading The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. And it really addresses the complexity of leading in this post-COVID world. And, and it talks about paradoxes in leadership, like balancing confidence and humility, leveraging vision and blind spots, being a teacher and a learner, having high standards and gracious forgiveness. And I love this because it really addresses the fact that we can't be either or leaders. We have to be both and leaders. If we're going to grow, we recognize that we probably have a lean in one direction or the other, but growing means increasing our capacity in the areas that we don't naturally gravitate towards. So the second kind of book that I like to read is a a, a book on spiritual growth that helps grow and stretch me. And there is a book right now that I'm reading called The Power of Place by Daniel Growth. And this is about choosing stability in a rootless culture. This is such a great book when you are trying to help others build community or build community yourself. And if you feel disconnected in friendship or in purpose, this is an awesome book and it really underscores the strength of biblical community. And then the last kind of book that I like to read is a fiction book. And Francine Rivers is one of my favorite authors. And right now I am reading a book called A Lineage of Grace. There's a lot of fiction out there on Netflix and on Prime Video, but finding a great Christian fiction book that helps stretch your imagination and creativity. But hey, ladies, if you have any questions, you can send your questions in and text the word sisterhood to 441-441, and we'll make sure that we answer your question in an upcoming episode. So let's jump into this conversation with Lori Champion. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am so pumped to have my good friend, Lori Champion, with us today. Lori and her husband, Joe, they co-founded Celebration Church in Austin, Texas in 2000. She loves people so much. She desires to see them fulfill their God-given leadership potential, and she is passionate about building the local church, a passion that I share with her. And she wrote this amazing book called Woman Up, and I can't wait to get started in our conversation. So welcome. Welcome, Lori. I'm so excited to be with you today. And uh, Julie, it's just, I have mutual respect and admiration for you Mm -hmm. as a leader. And um, I'm just thrilled to take this on with you today. Well, we're going to have a good time. You know, we met 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stood out to me was I was walking into a room of people that I did not know. And you know, when you look at a leader, so many times there are two different kinds of leaders. There's the the leader that walks in the room, and it's like when they walk in the room, everything about them says, here I am. <laughs> and then there are other leaders that when they walk in a room, everything about them says, there you are. Uh, and that is the kind of person you are. From the very first time I met you, you are a there you are person, always you. looking at and calling out the best in other people. So I cannot wait for our girls and our listeners to hear <laughs> what you have to say. So I'm going to jump right in the deep oh, end if good. that's okay. Let's do it. Okay. So you are actually a co 
senior pastor with yep. your with your husband. You're an incredible team leader. You've been a worship leader. You are a mentor to so many girls and guys in ministry. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about your journey in leadership, in church leadership yeah. specifically. Well, my journey began with me trying to run away from being anything involved in ministry, full-time ministry. Um, my parents and five generations of pastors are in my family, on both sides of my family. And I just, as a little girl, I used to put my nameplate on my door growing up. I used to always pretend like I was a businesswoman. I went to college. I was a pre-law student. I worked for the governor, and I just thought I was going to be in law and in politics. And I just didn't think I had the gift mix to be a pastor. I, you know, I, I know you said I, I like people a lot, and most of the time I do, <laughs> but sometimes I don't, you know. And so I just thought I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a strategist, and I just didn't see that outworking. But God called me to ministry in 1988, and I just remember going to the altar, laying all of my gifts before the Lord, just thinking that, God, I don't know why you gave me these gifts, and I'll never be able to use them. And here I am. It's been, you know, a few decades. And I've had to slide and glide into many, many roles along the way um, from you know, being full-time, part-time, um, full-time volunteering, paying to answer the call of God at certain times right. as a church planter, especially. Um, but I look back and go, God, you didn't make a mistake with me. Like for what we're called to do and for the church that we have, every single gift and desire that I thought I'd given up, God has actually used to fulfill His call. Right. I love that. And I think, you know, a lot of girls, um, when they step into church leadership, there's there's probably a little bit of hesitancy, especially 15, 20 years ago, right? Sure. Because a lot of times I know that I thought that, you know, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve the church, but I'm going to probably need to lead someplace else because there weren't a whole lot of no. leaders back 15, 20 years ago that had the gift mix that you had in church. So right. I love that you stepped in and just answered the call of God mm -hmm. and just took up every assignment along the way. So um, your calling has been the same, <laughs> to build church, to yes. make the name of Jesus famous, but your assignment has changed a lot totally. throughout yes. throughout your journey. Well, you wrote this book. Right. Your last assignment was um, writing this book called Woman Up, and you drew a lot of your inspiration from one of my favorite women in the Bible, Deborah. And so I would love to hear from you what actually drew you to her story. And then why did you call this book Woman Up? Yeah. Well, I stumbled upon Deborah. I mean, I've read the Bible all my life as a PK especially, but um, I don't know. I, I never heard a lot of messages about Deborah growing up. And about 10 or 12 years ago, I was speaking at a women's event and I was like, what can I talk about that I haven't talked about in a long time? And and I stumbled upon Deborah again, and we always think about the men in the Bible as the heroes of faith. Mm -hmm. And here this woman was such a hero of faith. Um, Israel was in and out of captivity for 400 years, and then God chooses a woman. It says she's a God-appointed prophet yeah. and leader of Israel in that day. And it says that the sons of Israel would line up for her wisdom. And I just thought, you know— 
a lot of young women that want to be in ministry, they either want to marry a pastor and be a typical pastor's wife, like my mom was, play the organ, lead worship, <laughs> sit in the front row and amen, maybe do something with the women's ministry. Or they want to be a communicator, an evangelist, a power hitter. But I didn't see myself. I didn't see my gift mix. And then I saw Deborah, and I was like, she was a judge. She was giving strategy. She was giving wisdom. And so she prophetically calls up this general, his name is Barack, and she gives him the battle strategies. And she says, come on, you know, God has called you to win the battle. We've been in captivity, but he's going to, here's the strategies. This is what you need to do. And you're actually going to defeat the enemy. And he says to her, I'll go, but only if you go with me, which is, it has to be unheard of right? for this woman to go to battle with him. And she says, I'll go with you, but it's actually going to be said that the battle is being given to a woman. And I don't think it was an arrogant thing for her to say. I think right. she was totally attentive to his manhood. Mm-hmm. Like, are you okay with that? Yeah. And he was secure with that. And so the woman up part came in the next chapter where um, she has to go to Barack again. I think she's on the battlefield with him. She goes to him again and she says, up, for this is the day that the Lord has given you the victory. And so she has to remind him again to get up. And I don't know if he was in the fetal position. (laughs) I don't know if he was praying about Mm -hmm. something that God had already told him to do which a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was just so defeated that he just wanted to, you know, pull the covers up over his head one more day. Yeah. But because she said to go up, he did everything that God had called him to do. And she was just one of those women that because of her influence, everybody around her could be called up yeah. into their purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And so that's really what the book is all about. Yeah. It's really about calling girls up, really calling everyone up, but, yeah. um, but calling girls up. And I love the way that you do this, because on your church team, um, you you lead mm-hmm. a lot of girls, but you also lead some of the guys on your team, yeah. too. And you're you're a strong leader, a strong woman leader, <clears throat> but... Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about that, about just leading the men on your team? Yeah. Um, I have all brothers and all sons. <laughs> so I got some practice <laughs> growing up. You're the big sister yeah, too, right? Okay. I am. I am. But, you know, I think that Joe and I had to, even in, high, in, in our hiring process, you know, there's some men that were great with it being Joe and I leading until I was leading them. Mm-hmm. And so I had to really become more secure as a leader because I was okay until I got around the table with people that weren't okay. Right. And they weren't okay with my leadership hat. And so I had to earn their respect mm-hmm. for, in some cases, but now everybody that comes on team has a full understanding right. of what my role is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome because as women, we come alongside. Mm-hmm. That's sort of our best gift is the gift of collaboration. Right. And so I don't come in like Lord over them, like Deborah didn't do that either. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was like, okay, I'll come alongside you in battle. Mm-hmm. And so... I get great joy out of seeing people find their fit and find, you know, the things that they're that God's called them to do. Sometimes they don't come in in a position that they ultimately will end up in. Right. And I love just 
the puzzle making of yes. of seeing people thrive in an area and God's given them a stewardship and they function in that stewardship and then God releases them to do more mm-hmm. and it's awesome. I love that. I think that's one of the greatest privileges and joys of being a leader. Uh, it has nothing totally. to do with being a female leader. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever anyone that we lead, when we actually have the privilege to be able to call out the God thing in them and release them into into more leadership, when we see more in them than they even see in themselves. Yeah. And I think um, for any leader, when when they know that, when, when someone that we work with knows that their leader believes in them, yeah. that their leader is for them, yeah. that their leader is, you know, has, has no skin in the game except that they would become all that God created yeah. them to be. And I think that is true of you. And mm. I think that is true of Deborah too. So I think mm, that was such a, a powerful, um, such a powerful leadership lesson for all of us. You know, in your book, um, you talk about the local church. You have such a, a passion heart for yeah. the local church with such deep affection. And um, but you have also experienced some of your deepest hurts mm-hmm. in the local church. And we're living in a day when um, a lot of people are walking away from the church because of maybe hurts they have they have yeah. endured there. Um, but you didn't do that. I mean, even though you had some pain along the way. So I'd love for you to share a little bit of some of the pain that you've walked through yeah. as a you know just as a, a woman leader, and then how you managed to push through and fight for community and fight for unity in the local church. I have loved the church my whole life. In fact, my uh, parents used to say, one time I had chicken pox and I couldn't miss, and I just threw a complete hissy fit (laughs) that I couldn't go to church (laughs) with the chicken pox. I was like, maybe I'll get healed, you know, (laughs) but I have lived my life counting down to the weekends. Mm -hmm. I've lived my life like that's the best time of the weekend, but yes, certainly as a pastor's kid, as a pastor, um, some of my deepest wounds and betrayals and hardships have come in the church. And you know, I remember as a little girl sitting outside my dad's office, and my dad was a pastor, and there was this couple that were just railing on him. They were really, really upset with something, um, some kind of leadership decision he'd made apparently. And I was sitting across from their little girl. And I said, I guess this means we can't be friends. Mm. And so I remember, um, you know, sometimes pastor's kids are really guarded Mm -hmm. because of things like that that they see. But at the same time, it still was such a joy to be at church. And then in 1988, um, we were sitting on the front row, me and my two brothers. They were 14 and 12. I was 19. I'd come home from college to go on family vacation with spring break. And while my dad is preaching, he drops dead and dies of a heart attack Mm -hmm. um, at 45 years old. And so, of course, that's the greatest hurt Mm -hmm. and the most, probably the biggest defining moment of my life. And, but I had such a reservoir of the Word of God in my life that the house of God was so special. I remember my parents, just every time we would pull into our house or pull up to the church, my dad would say, you know what? I wouldn't trade this for being president of the United States. I wouldn't trade this for being a king. And we had a a church of like 125 people my whole life. It was very, very humble. But we just knew that the house of God, that the the calling of God, Mm -hmm. that God picked us. My dad would always say, God 
picked us to love his people, to shepherd his people, to disciple his people. This is such a great calling. And so um, after that day, you know, I guess there's, I guess people, even even people in my extended family were like, gosh, you were, weren't you hurt by the church? Isn't it hard to go back to the church where you saw your dad die? And we were back the next week ministering. <laughs> it was like, this is my place of healing. Yeah. This is my community. Mm-hmm. This is where the presence of the Lord is. And I went about six months where I didn't feel emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made a determination that I would show up and that I would worship as if I did. Mm-hmm. Because I had such strong spiritual memories in church and memories of just being so in the presence of the Lord, even at a very, very young age. And I was like, I'm going to feel that again. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day I felt it. And it was, um, my dad died in March. It was in September. And I went forward at this new church that had started um, where I went to college at LSU in Baton Rouge. And I went forward for prayer after, and I sobbed, and I told the the prayer partner, I have not felt anything. I have not cried. I have not laughed. And right there in a moment, God healed me. (laughs) The spirit of heaviness lifted off of me. Mm -hmm. It was the most unbelievable Mm -hmm. experience with the Lord outside of salvation that I've ever experienced. And I live for that now as a pastor, for those people that are dead in their emotions, that are coming in numb because of hurt or whatever, that they're going to have that moment with God Mm -hmm. and that we need to create that environment and have as as much distraction-free zone as possible so that people are just ushered into the presence of God in the Mm -hmm. house of God. Wow. I love that. I think sometimes that is so beautiful, so rich. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're leading in the church, you can think that this is for everybody else. You know, mm. what we're building is for everybody else. And I love that God used the church, you know, in a fifth generation pastor's yeah. kid, you know, um, that, that it just doesn't get old. I mean, no, this, it this and, and it is such an awesome privilege to, to build the place where people can find that kind of mm-hmm. healing, and then to have a testimony to um, just your your testimony that the, the testimony of healing. There's a there's a um, the the ancient roots of the word testimony is to do it again, mm. and I I love that because when you shared your testimony just then and and the way that you minister from an outflow of that that there's so much power in that and then that resonates with people and and allows the holy spirit to just to come and do it again and yeah. that's what we're praying for that's that i mean that in this day and age that we're living in there's just you know no no greater thing that we can do for people than to introduce them to a god yeah. that that loves them that sees them and they yeah. can step into their purpose like yeah. you know i i like we said at the beginning, Beginning, the church, of course, there has been a place of pain for many. But you know, it's so important that we don't mistake the imperfect people of church with the perfect plan and purpose sure. of the church. Yeah. That there is no perfect church, but it is still <clears throat> God's perfect plan to yes. bring people to Him. So that's so beautiful. You know, um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because one of my favorite parts of the book is when you speak about something that's almost a lost conversation in our culture. <laughs> and I'm going to quote you here because you said this. You said that as women, we need to embrace that we are a woman leader. 
trying to become a manly leader is misspent time and effort. So mm-hmm. why do you think this is an important conversation <laughs> to have? It's almost a controversial yes. conversation <laughs> right now. Um, God wired us so differently. And when he told Adam, it's not good for man to be mm-hmm. alone. Adam wasn't the only man that it wasn't good for him to be alone. Right. You know, um, I've left my husband for weekends to go minister somewhere else. And I come back and it's like, it was not good for man to be all alone <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> um, we have a, a unique uh, gift set when we're leading alongside men, um, when we're leaving, when we're leading as women, and you know they've done all kinds of studies recently because there's there's more and more tested and proven that it's such a benefit for corporations right. to have women on their lead teams and women in their board meetings and and all of that because we do bring a different perspective. Mm-hmm. We bring collaboration is such a value empathy with the heart yeah. you know behind things and um and intuition mm-hmm. and i just think about how god calls us in the in the original hebrew it's azer and that is helper and that's where we get the word helpmate mm-hmm. but the helper, 16 out of 21 times, I think it is, um, it's referring to God as our helper. Right. It's referring to like a military mm-hmm. aid. It's yes. referring to the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. You know? I love that. And mm-hmm. so that's the kind of helper we are. It's not like, oh, this is the person that does the laundry. This is the person right. that cooks the food or gets mm-hmm. the kids' homework done. It's like, no, we are a force mm-hmm. and not to compete with each other, but to complete. Right. Each other, and I need my husband because, you know, he gives me perspective. I need men on our team that give other perspective, and so I just think it's a beautiful thing because sometimes I can walk into a room full of guys, and I've done that many, many times, and they have all these ideas, and I'm like, "Did you think about this? Mm-hmm. Or did mm-hmm. you think about this person that's going to be in the room?" And I bring that right. softness that can tweak. Mm-hmm. Um, and change, you know, like a, a decision or tweak a decision to make it so much more powerful yeah, and effective. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that is so important because I think that does any team, you know, any team that's going to be a complete team needs to have, you know, different different aspects, different mm-hmm. viewpoints. And so I know that um, that for us too, having girls and guys on the team working together, it completes it. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a competition. I think that's one right. of the things that, you know, that we probably both say mm-hmm. a lot to our girls. We're, you know, we're not called to compete, we're called to complete. And yeah. I think that goes, showing mutual honor, you know, yes. um, is such Beautiful. a such an important part of that. Um, you know, one of the parts that I really appreciate about your book was there was a, a section in the book, and you wrote this pre-COVID, so I'm sure you probably had to pull this chapter out during COVID, but <laughs> when you talked about being pulled down and mm-hmm. weighed down by you know very real circumstances, you were, you were in a physical battle, you had just lost someone that you really loved, and, and you talked about this whole concept about being an anti-gravity leader. Mm-hmm. And can you unpack that for us, what that yeah. is and how to become one? Yeah, we um, we all love gravity when you know we're staying on the earth instead of flying off, you know. <laughs> but as you get older, you're like, oh, gravity! Hey, <laughs> yeah, I need some not my anti gravity yeah. eye cream or <laughs> procedures or whatever. And um, anybody can lead when everything's going well, right? 
But Deborah was an anti-gravity leader because she was leading when it was like her against the world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as believers and as leaders, and we're we're counterculture. Mm-hmm. We are coming against things that we've never come against mm-hmm. before. And you know, I think that we we have to rise above the climate. We have to rise above the division that we're seeing. We right. have to rise above so many things. So, you know, I this book came out like two weeks before quarantine. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, you have a real sense of humor because I had this book in my heart for 10 years. I've been writing curriculum and in this book, and then I release it and then COVID hits. And but I had to look at that stack of books in my room and go, okay, woman up, Lori. Like wow. rise above it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because anybody can lead when everything's great. That's right. You know, when you have this awesome book tour and when you have all these, you know, whatever, but what happens when things collapse? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of leader she was. It says that um, village life ceased in chapter five of Judges. It says village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. So everything was dead and dying, and it was a city in quarantine. Mm-hmm. And then she rose up, and because she rose up, village life came back to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be those change agents that um, aren't affected or held down by what limits us, but yeah. we walk in, we rise up, rise in confidence, rise in the calling of God mm-hmm. in our life. I love that. I love that so much. Well, I could just sit and listen to you all day long, and I am so excited for um, for our girls to get to hear this message because I think it's going to just strengthen uh, the leadership mm-hmm. soul of so many. But you know, I always end the podcast the same way um, that you know we know that we serve a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the ancient of days, but He's always doing a new thing. Yep. And so I would love to hear a now word from you. What God is what God is showing you or speaking to you now in this season? Yeah. I think a big wake up call for me in the last 18 months is that I had a lot of courage when I had control. And it's hard to have courage when you don't have control. I didn't realize my obsession with control. I thought, you know, I just really trusted God until I had to trust God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that over the last 18 months or so, when you look at um, when I was in a sorority in college, we had to memorize the whole Greek alphabet. And before that, because I'm a church girl, I'm like, oh, he's the Alpha and the Omega. I didn't know about all those <laughs> letters in between. Yes. Like, oh, this oh. is what that means. <laughs> but who is he in between mm. the beginning and the mm-hmm. end? And he's had to be healer, and he's had to be our strength, and he's had to be our trust, and he's had to be, you know, our um, our provision, and all of those things. He's had to be our father. He's he's had to be our wisdom, mm-hmm. and so learning the other aspects of God because I couldn't control the last. 18 months, and I probably can't control the next 18 months. Right. But he's Mm -hmm. God, and he doesn't need my help. He likes Mm -hmm. my partnership. Yeah. But he can still be God with or without me. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really uh, eye opening for me in my own life. Mm -hmm. And I'm growing into that. I, I really love that because I think that it can be easy with, you know, 20 some years, 30 some years of ministry experience and following the Lord and coming from a generational blessing of ministry to somehow think that maybe at some point we're going to arrive. Mm. And yet God is always 
wanting to deepen our wisdom, deepen our knowledge, deepen our understanding, but most of all, deepen our intimacy with Him. So thank you for pressing into that. Thank you for having me today and for being who you are. Well, this has been incredible. I cannot wait for our, our girls to get to hear this. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, SoGoodSisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.